0: So in this sermon series, we're talking about how the Bible defines a true friend. If you're on uh, social media, hashtag friends. If you want sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. I'm a little under the weather, uh, so actually today's the, the, kind of the, the, the best I've felt in about three days. I am in on a little bit of medication, so you cannot hold anything against me that I say today. I'll just uh, blame that on medication. Um, but God has taught us that a true friend is a rare thing. And trying to have too many close friends is not wise. So for the last three weeks, we've talked about the value and worth of a genuine friendship. And I think we got that on a slide. Uh, we talked about um, the qualities of a real friend being faithful. And thirdly, that true friendship is, is, uh, is unconditional, faithful, and sacrificial as well. So today, let's talk about quality number four, that true friendship purifies. True friendship purifies. Real friends inspire you to pursue intimacy with God. Real friends inspire you to pursue intimacy with God. Now, this series has, has made me appreciate my close friends. And just this past week, I called two of my close friends that are in ministry. I talked to one in Pennsylvania for a little bit, and then I talked to another one in Kansas. And, and we just talked, and we caught up, and we had talked to each other for a little while. But, uh, but man, I have, I have ministry friends spread all over the country. I got some in Texas uh, that I talked to. I got uh, some in Minnesota. I got some in Ohio. And you know those friends are awesome in Ohio. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just so blessed because, I tell you what, um, ministry's tough, and it's, it's, so, it's such a blessing to have other friends in ministry who exta- understand exactly what you're growing through. Proverbs 27, 17, in the New Living Translation, says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend." Um, have you guys ever been to a Japanese restaurant where they cook the food in front of you? And uh, what do they do uh, before they start cooking? They, they, they sharpen their knives, right? And, man, those, those knives are as, as sharp as you can get. You know, I mean, they're slicing chicken and steak like no one's business. You know, and then they're cutting the shrimp and throw it in their pocket. You know, I tried to do that at, at my house one time, and it went down my shirt and burned my chest hair. But <laughs> that's not true, but it was something I would do, though. Uh, but you know what? When you sharpen those knives, you need friction for those, for those knives to be sharpened. You need pushback. You need Another piece of steel that is sharpening those knives and it's the same thing with our friendships That we need that friction. We need that pushback. We need we need people holding us accountable uh, in our lives This means a real friend is going to inspire and influence you to be the best person You can be by being the best Christian you can be in contrast that a false toxic friend will undermine your influence, dull your effectiveness, wear you down and drain your energy in order to control you, take little cuts at you to make sure you don't leave them. You can love and pray for someone without being brought down by them. So if you have these kind of friendships, you know, it's not, I'm not, it's not like just like abandoning them, but you can love and pray, but still kind of keep them at a distance because you're probably being infected by those negative friendships more than you realize. One way to evaluate whether or not a person is a true friend is by asking yourself a series of questions, and these are really good. Am I a better person when I am in this person's presence? Am I a better person when I'm not in their presence? What is my mood after I've spent time with this person? After you spend time with someone, do you just, just feel this negativity about everyone and about life? Or are, do you feel positive after you've spent time with this person? How does my relationship with this person affect my relationship with my family? How does my relationship with this person affect my marriage? You know, a good friend wants you to have a great and healthy marriage. And they're not going to talk negative about your spouse. Listen, man, we can be real. We can, we can share. You know, maybe we're, you know, we're having some marriage struggles. I mean, you need to talk to your, your spouse about that uh, first. But you know, it's good to have a friend, if, if you're going through some marriage issues, to have a friend that you can talk to. But that friend is not going to tell you, man, you just need to leave him and you need to go on your way. Like, that's not what a good friend is going to do. A good friend is going to pray for you. A good, a good friend is going to listen to you. A good friend is going to encourage you. How does my relationship with this person affect me as a parent? How does my relationship with this person affect how I feel about myself? Am I closer to Jesus because this person is in my life? And does this person speak honestly in an effort to help me be my best self. Proverbs 27:17, the Amplified Version says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion." You have to have friends that are not afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Right? Um, I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of Christians that don't like accountability in their life. They don't like people calling them out when they step out of bounds. They don't like people, uh, you know, calling them out when, you know, when they're treating their spouse like garbage or when they're doing something that's not honest at work or whatever it is. And, and if you're one of those people, then you don't care about growing in your relationship with Jesus. You don't. Because I need that. Listen, I'm a pastor and I need that. How much more do do we all need that in our lives? You want to know who my best friend is? My best friend is the beautiful woman right there named Sabrina. And that's my wife for those of you that are new. All right. Um, I know that my life is so much better because of Sabrina. And she has made me fall in love more with Jesus than anybody else. She is smart. I know she's going to be embarrassed right now, but that's okay. She is smart. She's funny. She's patient. She's wise. She's caring. She's passionate. She's talented. She's positive. And she's hungry for more of Jesus. And she is everything I am not. And I just want to tell you that you have helped me experience firsthand the love and grace of God more than anyone in this life. And I want to tell you that I love you and I thank you uh, for who you are. So I also want to let you know that she will be joining me again here on stage for a special Mother's Day message two weeks from today and also on Thursday of that week as well. So we give her a round of applause. Listen, man. If you knew how much she put up with, you'd be standing on your feet right now. Uh, but man, she—we're uh, really excited to uh, to be back again together on stage, and so that will be in two weeks from today. Sabrina helps me draw closer to the Lord, but she is—but is she closer to Jesus because of me? If your spouse, if you say you love Jesus and your spouse can't say that she is closer to Jesus because of you, you are not doing your job. You're not doing your job. Plain and simple. Here's the point. Genuine friends sharpen you, enrich you, influence you and inspire you to be your best through a healthy personal relationship with Jesus Christ but a false friend dolls impedes and manipulates you to be who they want you to be and this can even happen in marriages and in families one of the reasons one of the ways I see this happening in marriages is uh, uh, is when men get really angry and, and they take it out on their spouses and, and their wives. And even though they are the ones that did something wrong, they throw a fit and and, and, put, it, and put it on their spouse. So the spouse feels guilty, even though they're not the ones that did anything wrong. Um, you know, my counselor called me out on that a while back, and he said, Jeremy, that's just immaturity. You know, that's what, that's what little boys do. When they don't get their way, they just, they just make, you know, the house uh, just have all this restlessness, and, and everyone's on pins and needles. All right? That's a form of manipulation. That's what that is. Do you have friends that love to gossip? One of the things that we as Christians are often guilty of is gossip. Gossip, and I know when I get caught up in gossip, 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 it negatively negatively affects me. So don't cloak gossip in spiritual language like a prayer request. We often do this. You know, we'll 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 gossip about someone, and then and then, and then at the end we'll throw a tagline in is. Well, we'll just need to keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers. We do it, right? If a person is going to gossip about someone, don't be surprised if they don't gossip about you as well. Remember, the primary word I have used to describe this positive influence of a true friend is purifying, is refining or sanctifying influence. When the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend, that means that a true friend will help you take the rough, dull edges off of your life. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern. Love and concern. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. I don't know about you guys, but I need some friends that love me. And if there's something that concerns them, they need to talk to me about it. I don't need deceitful friends that just want to flatter me. The biblical illustration here is used of of Judas. You know, Judas kissed the Lord. How deceitful was that? Judas was a false friend. He, all he did was flattery to Lord Jesus when he said, Hail, Master! Now I'm turning you in. Flattery comes from false friends. Don't be fooled. A hypocrite will say behind your back what he will not say to your face. A flatterer will say to your face what he would never say behind your back. True friends don't flatter you. They may compliment you or affirm your gifts, but they do not flatter you. Remember we talked about how emotional dependency and the negativity in those kind of relationships? We learn that flattery is a form of manipulation. So the last half of Proverbs 27, 6 says, the kisses flattery of an enemy are deceitful. What about the first half that says the wounds of a friend are faithful? This means that true friends love us enough, care about us enough to confront the rough edges. I'm close friends with uh, several local pastors outside the bridge here, and I had coffee with one a few months ago. We asked what we could be praying for each other about and how we could sharpen one another. And two areas that I asked him to pray about me about for me about was to be more intimate with Jesus and just just spending more time with the Lord. Uh, you know, getting off sling TV at night, a little bit less, and, uh, and spending more time with the Lord. And also, being more intentional with my kids in teaching them about Jesus throughout the day and, and reading the Bible with them. And man, if you're a young parent, if you can just make it through dinner time, homework, bath, brushing their teeth, and getting them to bed, You just like you just God. I just need like these three hours just to get me through this. All right, there's some days, man. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I'm I'm serious, man. I'm stinking exhausted. I'm like, just go to bed, (laughs) just go to bed, because I'm about like I got that much uh, patience left. Um, So, so a month later, my friend and I, who I had coffee with, we go on a hike together at the cliffs of the Noose. And, uh, and he's got his dog, and we're just, you know, we went we went on a couple mile hike. And guess what he asked me? Hey, how are you doing on those two things? <laughs> and uh, and one of them I said I was I was doing pretty good, thankfully, and the other one not so much. Uh, and I was actually I had actually been pretty uh, intentional about uh, reading the Bible with my kids and, and talking about the Lord that week, but my intimacy with the Lord um, really hadn't changed. And so that's what a good friend does. He asks you questions. You know, if you really want to grow in that area, in a certain area, your friend is going to ask you how you're doing in those areas. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe that God desires to be your friend? Not only your friend, but your best friend. And do you agree with the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Look what the Bible says about our friend God in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And there's about five slides here, but I really wanted you guys to to see the passage here. It says, and have you forgotten then encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his other children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Now, let me just explain that a little bit more. Um, Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, you know, sometimes we as parents don't discipline in the correct way. And we maybe discipline out of anger or frustration. And, I, you know, I I'm, know I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, listen, when God disciplines you, it is perfect. He is the only one that disciplines us in a perfect way. So in verse 10, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So, those of you that know me, follow me on Facebook, social media, I have four kids, uh, eight, five, three, and one, Uh, three boys and little girl, and my little girl, Noelle, is three years old, she is three going on 30, (laughs) she is my princess, and you don't mess with daddy's princess, right, but princesses need to be disciplined every once in a while as well, right, And all the princesses in the house said amen, kind of. Um, Noelle is very strong-willed. And from what I hear from my in-laws, their daughter, uh, named Sabrina, (laughs) was like that as well. Uh, So she's strong-willed. She is tough. I mean, she is tough as nails, man. When you have three brothers, you got to be tough. And, uh, and so there's four guys in the house and her and mommy. And um, so she, uh, like I said, she's, she's, she feels like she's sturdy, And so she feels like she can do things that the bigger kids do. So one of those things is she feels like she can go outside whenever she wants, when no one's out there. So yesterday was a beautiful day. And, uh, and you know, I brought all the kids in. well, Noel goes back outside. And I told her, I said, don't do that. No one else is out there. You're three years old. You know, we live in, in, a, in a great neighborhood, but there's still, we, our house is on a curve, and people still go 35, 40 miles an hour on that curve, and, and we got woods in, the ba- in our backyard, and uh, so she's not allowed to be out there by herself. Well, what does my princess do? She goes outside <laughs> after I told her not to. So she comes inside, and I give her a spanking. And it's probably uh, one of the hardest spankings I ever gave her, just, w- just one spank, one spank. Um, now we don't use spanking very often, but it is in our arsenal when we have to use it. Um, some of you are saying, well, I don't believe in spanking and, and we, can, we can tell, we can tell. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Truth and joking again. I mean, I was spanked, and look how I turned out. (laughs) Wait a second. I spank her the hardest I've ever spanked her before. And there's no emotion on her. Not even a tear. And I was like, my goodness. I said, get in the blue chair. And we got a blue chair. We got got several timeouts throughout the house. You understand, man. Just pick the closest timeout spot you got. So I spank her and no emotion. I tell her to go sit on the chair. Well, mama comes home from work, and, uh, and so I mean, she was just totally defiant, man. Mama comes home from work. What does Noelle do again? Goes outside again. I bring her in the house. I said, Sabrina, it's your turn this time. And, I, and, and you know what she tells Sabrina? She says... You can spank me, I'm not gonna cry. So I tell Sabrina, I say, you let her have it. <laughs> she gets out the plastic spoon, and mommy spanks her three times Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's not true, but it goes along. She spanks her three times, and she cries, and I'm like, yes! I didn't share. I didn't share like that. But she spanks her, and she got a retention, man. And she she was receptive, and um, you know what? She didn't go back outside the rest of the day by herself. So here's the thing: How does that relate to us? When God disciplines us, we can be defiant. And say, whatever, God, I'm gonna keep on doing. I I know I'm not always supposed to do that, but I'm gonna keep on doing it because it feels good or whatever it is. So we can be defiant. So you're being defiant right now. You can be receptive and 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 you know, God's getting your attention, like, okay, God, I hear you. You can laugh at it. Um I remember the last time my mom ever spanked me, and I can't remember how old I was. Maybe I was like, I don't know, 10 or something. Uh, the last time my mom spanked me, uh, I laughed at her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was the last time she spanked me, man. Because once your kid laughs when you spank him, what are you going to do? You know? Um, and so, but are we doing that with God. Are we doing something that's not pleasing and honoring to him and we're just laughing at him even though we're breaking his heart or you can learn from it. You can be defiant, you can be receptive, you can laugh at it or you can learn from it. So where are you right now in your life and in with your current situation and circumstances? As God's children, don't resist his discipline. That's what Hebrews is talking about. Don't resist it. Don't resent his discipline. Don't be bitter towards God and hold the grudge because he's disciplining you, because he loves you and has concern for you. And some of you right now are resenting God for the discipline that he's given in your life. And you're holding a grudge against God for something that happened years ago or decades ago because he he tried to put you back on the right path because you were on a path of destruction. And and you 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 resent him even to this day. And Hebrews also says to don't faint under his discipline. Don't quit. Don't quit. So don't resist. Don't resent resent and don't faint. Rather, we are to receive his loving discipline and be matured and healed by it. I have a close friend of mine who is married. He has many children. Beautiful family, uh, successful. They both have very influential jobs. He loves Jesus with all his heart. And six months ago, he found out that his wife is having an affair on him. Uh, I, along with uh, so many of his family and friends, have walked through this difficult time with him. I actually texted him this morning and just told him I loved him and um, sent him a, a worship video. I talked to him for an hour and thirty minutes this past week, and uh, he did most of the talking, and I just listened. And you know what? You know what a good friend does? A good friend listens, man. You know, some of us are just talkers. I'm a talker. I'm a preacher. Uh, I'm guilty as anybody. But if you've got a friend that's going through H-E double hockey sticks, you need to just be a listener, man. You need to be a listener. And you just need, you need to let them vent. So I, so I just let him listen. I mean, I just let him talk, and I listened. He said that this has been the most difficult thing he has experienced in this life and how bad he hurts right now. And how, he, how bad he hurts for his kids. Because his kids don't know. You know, like, they don't understand fully what's going on. They just know that, you know, that mommy's not around. And, and, and she's living in another town. And, uh, you know, she's, she's doing work in another town. And, and so he's got to carry all this weight, all this burden, man. Um So he's been talking about how bad it hurts, but at the same time, the amazing thing that God has been doing in his his life and showing him the changes that he needs to make and how much God loves him, even though his wife was the one that turned her back on him. He's fighting for his marriage. He's fighting for his kids. He doesn't talk bad about her. He doesn't talk bad to her with me. And, and he just extends love and grace, so hopefully reconciliation can take place. And do you know that reconciliation is, is easier to take place if the spouse doesn't talk bad about the other one in front of the kids? Because if you do, then all that, that forms their opinion of, of, from the kids of, what, of, of who their mom or dad is, and so, so, if, so if the husband and wife do get back together, then you've got to work through all the wounds and the negativity that the kid's been hearing for years and years. So my friend has experienced the loving friendship of Jesus and also his discipline at this time. He's not resisting, he's not resenting, and he's not fainting as well. And he's understanding the friendship of Jesus Christ a friend who really loves you will have a sanctifying refining purifying influence in your life the test of, of a of a true friendship is simply this am I a better person because of my relationship with this person that's it that's it so you can go through all your speed dial list and ask that question Am I a better person because of my relationship with, with this person? Am I closer to Jesus because of this person? I've noticed that I, when I'm with true friends, friends who really love me, genuine friends, I'm not with them for two or three minutes before they're giving me a new thought, a word of encouragement, a fresh blessing, a new idea, loving accountability whether we're in the car, a restaurant, or, or at a conference somewhere. My life is being built up by these people who want me to be the best husband, the best dad, the best pastor, the best Christian, the best person I can possibly be. And that's who I want to surround myself with. They're always telling me about a book, showing me something in the word of God, giving me words of godly counsel, holding me accountable when I drift in the wrong direction, affirming my gifts and the blessing I am to them or others. They're always adding something to my life because as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. Why do we value true friendship? Why do we pay the price for true friendship? Why do we take the risk of true friendship? Because a true friend will help me to be the best person I can be by influencing me and inspiring me to be the best follower I can be. Where are the qualities of a true friend? Unconditional love, faithfulness, sacrificial, and purifying. Next week we'll study the friends The friend above all friends in Jesus, and we're going to close out this Friends series.